0: There's no Gatorade lingering around here because you'd already dumped it on them. There wouldn't have been any left for me. So uh, it's, it's encouraging to know that that's not in the, in the works this morning. So wonderful song. Thank you, uh, Rhonda and Heath, for leading us in that. Uh, because He Lives, that is the title of our sermon this morning. And I want to encourage you to open your Bible with me to the book of Psalms. We are in chapter 16. We are uh, working our way through this sermon series, the Hebrew Hymn Book. Uh, I was selecting uh, different psalms along the way. This morning we are in Psalm 16. Over the last couple of months, one thing we've been doing as a church is assembling together a safety and security team. Uh, We wanted to take a look at uh, everything that we are doing and figure out uh, how we can best keep our people and our properties safe and secure. Uh, Are there steps that we can take? And some things have already been uh, put into place and maybe some other things along the way. And so... We want to be thinking along those lines. How can we keep our, our, our people and our properties at our church safe and secure? Because when you see on the news, there's a lot of things going on, and, uh, sometimes property damage and even worse, uh, folks uh, being threatened and lives being taken at, at churches. And so, um, But we might be tempted to think, you know, it's, it, there's really no way to be 100% safe. Really, no way to be 100% secure living in a, a fallen world, a sinful and a wicked world. Uh, there is no way to be secure 100%. And, and to some degree, that's true. We we do face those realities. But at the same time, we got to think: you know, is God insufficient? Is God incapable? If I am in God's hands, I ought to be thinking that no matter what happens in this life, either God causes or God allows to happen for. His reasons, for His purposes. So in the hands of God, His children are always safe and secure. There's no safer place in the entire universe to be than in the hands of God. And it's kind of, kind of what David's speaking about in Psalm chapter 16 this morning. He's telling us, as a child of God, live your life in full assurance of God's protective care. As a child of God, live your life in the full assurance and the confidence of God's continual protective care. I want to encourage you to stand with me if you're able to this morning. We want to do this in reverence for the reading of God's holy word. I'll be reading from Psalm chapter 16 and David writes these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good besides you. As for the saints who are in the earth, they are the majestic ones in whom is all my delight sorrows of those who have bartered for another God will be multiplied I shall not pour out their drink offerings of blood nor will I take their names upon my lips the Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup you support my lot the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places indeed my heritage is beautiful to me I will bless the Lord who has counseled me indeed my mind instructs me in the night I have set the Lord continually before me Because He is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. For You will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will You allow Your Holy One to undergo decay. You will make known to me the path of life. In Your presence is fullness of joy. In Your right hand there are pleasures forever. Let's pray together. Father, we come into Your presence this morning humbled that You would allow us to come and approach You, a holy God, even though we are sinners, a mighty God, even though we are but small. Lord, it is Your grace, Your mercy that is extended to us and You call us through the blood of Your Son, Jesus Christ, to come to You and to know You and to enjoy You. So, Father, I pray that You would open Your Word to us this morning and open us to Your Word. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank You. You may be seated. In a lot of the Psalms, they begin with a super inscription that kind of tells you perhaps who the author is or the occasion or what's going on there. And we come to Psalm 16 and we see the superscription. It says, "...a Mictom of David." Mictom is a Hebrew word that there's really uh, a lot of debate about what it means. It's uncertain,
1: but it always
0: is attached to Psalms of David, and oftentimes in, in moments of danger and great difficulty in David's life. When we read this Psalm, we don't have a, a specified situation, a specific situation that David's facing, but we are reminded that we all face trials. Regardless of who we are, we all face difficulties. And this morning, perhaps you come in here and and maybe you've got fear or a sense of danger in your life. Maybe something physically you're dealing with or something maybe emotionally or spiritually. Great fear and, and great danger, perhaps, is weighing on your heart this morning. But like David, it's important for us to know who to call upon in these scenarios. We all generally face these things, but we need to know who to call upon when we do. And because we have a God who is living, when we call upon Him, first of all, we have God's protection. His protection. Because of His covenant love for His people. God's protection. In verse 1, first thing we see is supplication of the weak. We see David crying out and he says, Preserve me, O God. Preserve me guard me keep me it's like the bedtime prayer now I lay me down to sleep I pray the Lord my soul to keep and David is making this request of God he's crying out to God he is making supplication Lord supply your protection to me preserve me O God and we must first come to a place where we realize that we have a need a need for a a refuge, a a need for a place of shelter and and safety and security. Preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in You. Not only do we must realize that we need a refuge, but we also need to understand that God is the only true and adequate refuge for us. We must realize our weakness and then make supplication to God that He indeed would protect us. and preserve us and when we do that we see David saying in verses 2 through 3 we see satisfaction for the wise when we realize our need for God and we cry out to him in our, in our wisdom and making this wise choice we see the satisfaction of God he says in verse 2 I said to the Lord the Lord there Lord is spelled in all caps and we've talked about that before anytime you see that in the Old Testament that's the covenant name of God It's the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of Moses, the God of David, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Anytime you see all caps LORD, it's the God of the Bible. In distinction to any other God that may be out there, He's talking about the God who spoke and wrote this book. It's the God of the covenants. The God who binds Himself permanently to His people and David says to the Lord, this God of the Bible, You are my Lord. And their Lord's not all caps. It's the Hebrew word Adonai. It means master. It's, You're my king. It's David humbling himself and subjecting himself and saying, God, I place myself underneath you. And he says to the Lord, You are, you are my Lord. David is owning allegiance to God. I, I am willingly placing myself underneath your sovereign. Domain and underneath your kingship. Preserve me, my God. You are my Lord. There is allegiance and there is assurance because he says, you are my Lord. Not that uh, I want you to be or I hope you are. Could you possibly be? He says, you are my Lord. And he knows this and there is confidence in this. He's calling out to a God that he believes is able to and is willing to preserve him. I said to the Lord, You are my Lord, and I have no good beside You. No good. There is nothing good in my life but You, God. There is nothing good in me but You, God. I have no goodness of my own. I have no righteousness of my own. I am a humble sinner. I am a broken man. I have rebelled against You. There is nothing good but but you God and if I have you I have goodness but without you I have no goodness I claim your righteousness by faith to be my own but not only do we have God as our Lord when we place ourselves underneath his sovereign care he says you are my Lord but also we see we have God's people in verse 3 he says as for the saints who are in the earth the saints the word saint means holy ones saved folks If you are a Christian and you are saved by the grace of God, you are a saint. It doesn't mean that you have a a greater, higher degree of spirituality. That's not what the word means. It means set apart, sanctified, saved people. He says, as for the saints who are in the earth, he's talking about the living saints as opposed to those who are already in heaven. There's an old saying that goes, to dwell above with the saints we love, oh yes, that will be glory. To dwell below with the saints we know, well that's another story. <laughs> that's not David's opinion here, is it? He says, As for the saints who are in the earth, you you all, Christian folks, other believers, as for the saints who are in the earth, they are the majestic ones in whom is all my delight. He says, I love God's people warts and all. He says, if I enter into this covenant relationship with the Lord, I also enter into this covenant relationship with the Lord's people. And that's the blessing of the church. Even though we are not perfect, even though we do have faults and imperfections, we come to understand that if God loves The church, if Jesus loves the church and He died for the church, I ought to love what Jesus loves. And Jesus loves the church even though the church is not perfect. And therefore, if my heart is for the Lord, it needs to be for the Lord's people. And we come to understand that God ministers to us and through us in the corporate setting, entering into this covenant relationship, this community satisfaction of the wise and knowing the Lord as our master and having his people as our brothers and sisters but then we see the alternative in verse 4 we see the sorrows of the wicked he contrasts those who choose God in, in finding satisfaction in God versus those who choose other gods and the outcome of that he says in verse 4 the sorrows are literally the sores the, the blisters of those who have bartered for another god literally have run after another god it, it's the idea of running so far and so hard that you get blisters on your feet and he says there are those who do that they chase so hard pursuing other gods that they get sores they get sorrows they don't find satisfaction they find pain they find suffering as for those, the sorrows of those who have bartered or have chased after another god, those sorrows, those sore spots will be multiplied. It's only going to get worse. For anyone who would pursue another god besides the Lord, the God of the Bible, sorrows will be multiplied. David says, why would you choose and chase after that god? And he says, I will not pour out their drink offerings. I won't participate in in anything that looks like false worship, nor will I even take their names upon my lips. David says, I want to distance myself from those false gods and from that false worship, because it's only going to multiply sorrow. I choose instead the satisfaction of my Lord and the presence of His people talked about security and keeping our properties and our people safe many of you all have have done that in your homes you have uh, got uh, the security systems installed and and put the signs out in your front yard but there's one thing i've come to discover about those signs sometimes people don't even have security systems they just put the signs in the yard because they, they see that what as a deterrent they say, you know, if a criminal comes by and sees a sign that says, you know, protected by whatever company, they might be less inclined to break in my home. Now, that's not always the case. But putting the sign in your yard, is, it, it's a sense of security, but it's a, it's a false sense of security. But not so with God as our Father and our Master. He says, preserve me, O God. You are my Lord, I have no God besides You. I have no good beside you. We get a true sense of security. We can fully trust in God when we call upon Him for His protection because He lives. But also, when we call upon the Lord, David begins to share the many blessings we have. If God is our Lord and and we are under His protective care, there are many blessings that come from that. And we see that, first of all, in verses 5 through 6, we have God's provision.
1: We have a living
0: God and a loving God who blesses His children. In verse 5, David says, He is our portion. He says, The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. He's talking about, in verse 4, those who pour out their drink offerings to other gods. You're trying to worship these gods with the cup, but, but the Lord is my portion. God Himself is my portion. He is my inheritance and my cup. And notice the language he keeps using here. Inheritance. He talks about lots in verse 5, verse 6. The lines, the boundary lines. My heritage. It's the same terminology that we find used in the Old Testament about the promised land. And he says, the Lord is my portion. God himself. You can have the false gods. David says, but the benefits of having the Lord is this inheritance that we have from God. He is my portion. God Himself is my reward. And He is also our position, verse 6 says. We have a privileged standing. If God is your Father, Credence Clearwater Revival once said, it ain't me. I ain't no fortunate one. (laughs) Talking about I don't have, uh, some folks were born with a silver spoon. It ain't me. But if God is your Father, it is you. It is you. God is your portion. God is your position. You have a a higher and elevated position. You are a child of the King. If God is your Father, David says, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. I have got a pleasant track of land. I have got a a beautiful heritage that's been passed down to me. I, I have been given this. I haven't earned this. I don't deserve this, but it's mine by virtue of who my Father is. He is our position. King's children are given pleasant places and beautiful heritage that's just the way it is but the beauty of what God gives us in these places and these inheritances there's no foreclosures we've seen that in our culture in the last several years folks for various reasons unable to keep what they have and, and having to forfeit that but that's not the case with what God gives us it's not the case of what the Lord bestows on us. He is our position. And the land that Israel received was tangible evidence of God's faithfulness. He had said, I am going to give you, Abraham and your descendants, this land. And that physical land was a a sign. It was a physical evidence of God's faithfulness, kind of like a, a wedding band is for us. This is a a sign. This is a tangible symbol of faithfulness. And that's what God did for His children with the promised land. And that's what He's done for us in Christ. He's promised us a a Savior, a Deliverer. And Christ physically came and dwelt among us and lived on this earth and died on the cross and physically rose again. And the New Testament even interprets that, that Jesus is the promised land. It talks about how How Moses was not able to enter into that rest, but Joshua was able to enter into the rest of the promised land. And the writer of Hebrews equates the rest to Christ. We as Christians have been given a promise, an inheritance. And Christ is the assurance of that. We have God's provision as children of the King. We also have God's presence in verse 7 and 8. We see that He is with His people no matter what we face. Remember, this might have been a circumstance where David was facing danger, life or death. Or perhaps he was thinking of those occasions when he did face that and wrote this psalm. And maybe that's us this morning. We need to be reminded of God's presence. In verse 7 we see that because He is alive and He is present, He provides counsel counsel to his people. Verse 7 I will bless the Lord it's interesting we normally talk about I want God's blessing or God bless you. To bless means to give something to give a blessing, to give something that's worth something valuable to bestow something great upon someone. We say well if God has everything how can I give God anything but it's the idea of wanting to I bless God. I want to give God my all. I want to give God the best of the best. I want to bless the Lord because of what He has done for me. I will bless the Lord who has counseled me, David says, who has, who has instructed me, who has taught me. I will bless the Lord even though I have this inheritance from God. It doesn't stop there. But it continues. This relationship continues so much where, where He counsels me. He speaks to me. He gives me wisdom. He gives me direction. We talked about that in our prayer time, praying for God's direction in our lives. David says, The Lord has counseled me. God has spoken to me. He speaks to us through His Word. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us through these saints we just spoke about. God speaks to us. The Lord has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me, David says. In the night, God speaks to us in the depths of our thoughts and He shapes our inner thoughts. And Sometimes we receive advice. We have to weigh it out, don't we? We have to try to determine, is this advice I want to follow or not? Is this trustworthy counsel? Because not all counsel is good counsel, is it? Sometimes you perhaps have been given advice from somebody and it turned out to be not so good advice not the case with the Lord his counsel is always perfect the Lord has counseled me and indeed my mind he says in the very depths of my mind he instructs me but also he provides confidence as he says in verse 8 I have set the Lord continually before me It means I'm following after him. He's before me. But if he's before me, he's also near me. He's also in my presence, David says. I want God around me at all times continually. I want to be in his presence. Because he says, when I'm continually before the Lord and he is continually before me, if he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. What do I need to worry about? If I'm in the presence of God and I'm in the will of God and I'm in the, in the protective care of God, no matter what I'm facing or what I'm going through, whatever difficulty, trial, sorrow, I will not be shaken because the Lord is with me. The Lord is at my right hand. And I can go anywhere and not have to worry about these things because God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Does anybody here sometimes have trouble sleeping at night because your mind won't shut off? And you just keep thinking, you lay there, and and I found sometimes at night is when we have our most troublesome and our most troubling thoughts. When we go through scenarios and, and we worry and we fret over things. But notice what David said in, Verse 7. Indeed, my mind instructs me in in the night. Those moments perhaps when, when we're most vulnerable to our thoughts being led astray, he says, Even in the night, God counsels me. Even in the night, I allow God to speak to me and direct me. And I know He's at my right hand, and I will not be shaken. I refuse be shaken I refuse to worry about these things because I'm a child of the living God and I am in God's presence and his presence comforts us finally in verses 9 through 11 we see we have God's promises his promises verse 9 he says therefore Remember, therefore always points us back to what was just said don't pass therefore do you know what it's there for because of God's presence, we can trust in His promises. And He has made some promises, hasn't He? Verse 9 Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. It means divine peace is assured. There's a sense of, of inner joy in David's life, and it erupts into audible praise. And he says, my heart is glad. My glory rejoices. He can't contain it. What God has done for him and who God is to him, he says, my heart is glad. Is your heart glad today, church? Is your heart glad? Because the Lord is at my right hand, therefore my heart is glad. My glory rejoices. My flesh will also dwell securely. He's talking about my heart on the inside, my flesh on the outside, my inner being, my outer being. I will dwell securely. It's divine peace, body and soul, total security, the joy that comes from having God at your right hand. Divine peace is assured. Divine power is assured. He's talking about in verse 9 there, my my flesh will dwell securely. And then he elaborates some more on that. Physically, what does that mean for me as a child of God? Verse 10, he says, for you will not abandon, you will not leave, you will not forsake my soul. To Sheol, That's the land of the dead in the Hebrew language. He says, you're not going to let me You're not going to let my flesh, my soul, you will not let me die.
1: You will not allow your Holy
0: One to undergo decay, corruption. He's talking about physical presence, the physical protection of God. It's David saying, God, you will sovereignly intervene in my life and you will save me from death. I believe that that is the immediate context of this. It's it's a physical saving. But there's also an eternal aspect to this as well. How do we know that? Well, Peter seems to indicate that for us in Acts chapter 2. When he says, For David says of him, Christ. Then he quotes these scriptures. I saw the Lord always in my presence, for He is at my right hand, so I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue exalted, Moreover, my flesh also will abide in hope, because you will not abandon my soul to Hades. Speaking of Jesus, nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. Peter saw this as a prophecy of Christ and the resurrection. Paul the same thing Acts chapter 13 verse 35 therefore he also says in another psalm you will not allow your holy one to undergo decay for David after he served the purposes of God in his own generation he fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and he underwent decay but he whom God raised did not undergo decay Peter says that's a prophecy of Jesus That as David wrote these things about his immediate setting and his immediate context, God, you're going to save me from an instance where I could possibly die, but you're going to save my life from that. And David wrote that, but under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, there was much more into those words. And Paul and Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, said it's a prophecy of Christ. His divine power His divine power is assured to us because by faith, if you are in Christ, the same prophecy about Jesus being raised, guess what? It applies to you too. If you are in Christ by faith, He will not abandon your soul to the land of the dead. He will not allow your flesh to undergo decay and corruption because you will be raised on the last day. The resurrection of Christ is a guarantee of your resurrection. His divine power. The same power, the song says, that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. If you are a child of God, His divine power is assured to you. In fact, this whole psalm is about the life, death, resurrection, and the ascension of Christ if we go back and read the entire thing in the lens of I'm going to read this as if Jesus is saying these things and it's like wow it's the life the death the resurrection and now the ascension of Christ we see in verse 11 divine pleasure is assured God promises this divine pleasure is assured he says you will make known to me make known means God revealing something something I would not know God I would not stumble upon this on my own and say you know what hey here's the pathway of life I guess I'm going to follow this he says you have made known to me by your grace you have taken the blinders off my eyes and you have shown me you have revealed to me you will make known to me the path of life not the path that leads to death and sorrow and the blisters and the sores and those things that other people are chasing other gods that's the path that ends up that leads to death he says the path of life where does the path of life lead me? in your presence and if I'm in your presence there's what? fullness of joy who here today doesn't want fullness of joy? we all do we all want fullness of joy where is the fullness of joy to be found in his presence in his presence he says in your right hand David said I put God in my right hand I will not be shaken but I'm in God's right hand and there he says are pleasures forever eternally beyond just the temporal here and now you chase other gods you might find temporary pleasure but you're going to multiply sorrows for yourself because in the end, pleasures are fleeting. The temporal, they're here today, they're gone tomorrow. But in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. At His right hand, there are pleasures forever. I want pleasures that last, that don't just come for here today, gone tomorrow, and the next thing you know, you've got sorrows. I want pleasures that last. Forever, Everybody wants pleasures that last forever. Where do we find that? In His right hand. Everybody wants joy and the fullness of joy. Where is that found? In His presence. And if you're a child of God, He says He will make known to you the path of life. What is life? Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and life. He is the path. He is the only path. It's the imagery going back to Psalm 1. There's two roads. There's two roads and they lead to two different destinations. One's the road of death that leads to death. The other is the road in the path of life that leads to pleasures, fullness of joy. And what is the fullness of joy? The presence of God. He has designed you to long for Him and His presence And if you will follow the path that He makes known to you, you will find it. You will find it. If you seek the Lord, you seek His fullness of joy, you seek His pleasure. If you find your pleasure in God and allow Him to uproot the idols of your heart that just lead to sorrow, allow Him to cleanse your heart. Remove those things and desire Him. Desire God and you will be full of joy desire God you will find satisfaction it's when you desire those other things you find pain desire the Lord as a child of God live your life in the full assurance of his protective care I remember one time when I was a kid I was playing out in the neighborhood with some other kids we were playing ball and me and one of the other fellas got into a scuffle and this guy's dad came out and started yelling at me and so I started to leave, and then he said, "Matter of fact, won't you tell your dad to come down here and talk to me?" <laughs> I don't know dad, if you remember that or not. I came home and told him, and uh, you know the old saying: you know, when you're young, you know my dad can beat your dad up. You know I was—I thought I was about to find out if that was true or not. <laughs> but luckily, cooler heads prevailed, and the guy came down to the house a couple of days later and, and and apologized and 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 talked to dad about that. But. You know, my dad can beat your dad up you know, God has already proven that Christ has already done that he came to this earth and he died on the cross was placed in the tomb and three days later guess what physically that body was reanimated that same body that died and was placed in that tomb that same body rose to life triumphant over the grave never to face and suffer decay God already won the victory. God already defeated the enemy. Our daddy already beat up the other daddy. And our daddy watches over us. And our daddy protects us, provides for us. And he's always present and he always keeps his promises. And David said, that's why i placed myself underneath you. Lord, God of the Bible, you are my God. You are my Lord. And these are the benefits. And in the immortal words of Oscar Jones last week, if you don't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, why not? I don't know why you haven't made that decision yet. If you don't choose Christ, your sorrows will be multiplied. But if you do choose Jesus in His presence in His right hand you will have fullness of joy and you will have pleasures forevermore because He lives I can face tomorrow because He lives all fear is gone because I know He holds the future in this life it's worth the living because and just because He lives let's pray Father God we do acknowledge this morning we do make it our ongoing confession Jesus lives Jesus lives our God is a living God and because he lives if we place ourselves underneath his kingship we will have his protection his provision his presence his promises But That's if and only if. We, like David, can say to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no goodness apart from You. That's the Christian confession. That we are sinners, that we are weak, that we are helpless. We are on a path that leads to sorrows and destruction. But God, You have made known to us the path of life. You have made known to us Jesus. And so we choose Christ today. Lord, it is my prayer if there is anyone here that has never trusted in Jesus, anyone who has never surrendered to Christ, anyone who has not placed themselves squarely underneath His Lordship, Holy Spirit, touch their heart today and do a sovereign, a supernatural work that only you can do. Remove the blinders. Replace the heart of stone with the heart of flesh. And let our affections be for You and for You alone. Father, thank You for the work You have done for us in Christ. Thank You that You are here with us now and that You are working in our midst. Your will be done as we enter this time of decision. In Jesus' name, Amen would you please stand with me as we sing this invitation hymn I must tell Jesus the first thing we must tell Jesus is I am a sinner and I need to be saved we must tell Jesus that you alone are the only Savior the only source of hope I have I must tell Jesus that you are my Lord you are my Savior and I must tell Jesus cleanse me and forgive me of my sin I must tell Jesus I need your help to live a life that pleases you Would you come this morning as we sing this hymn of decision? If you need to be saved, you need to rededicate your life, you want to join this church through baptism, moving your membership, whatever it is that.